Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, Serie A fan. It's time for our annual Christmas special, where we catch up on all the action for the past week. Victorious end of the year for Inter, and for Max, who benefits from the Scudetto curse in reverse. But a disappointing finish for Milan and Atalanta, who can't get onto the Panettone soon enough. We discuss all this, plus kudos to Fiorentina, solidarity with Catania, and all manner of other festivities and cheer, on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to the second Scudetto Christmas special. Hope everyone is staying well and having a good break or holiday if you're celebrating Christmas. And um, for anyone that listened to our last Christmas special, don't worry, we don't have as many awards or sections as we had last year. <laughs> but it is possible that we do have as many beers. I think we've we picked out three each tonight. Um, and Boaz, I think it's your turn to go first on the beers front. So do you want to say hello and give us your lineup? Such an honor. I've got um, a Tuborg Red, which is a pretty standard beer, but quite popular around these places. And then I have, uh, in your in your honor, I have a Brewdog Punk IPA, and I'm finishing it off with a Bindi IPA, which is a local beer. So around the world. Lovely. Good representation of our podcast. And, and how about you, Kenny? What have you got to drink this evening? I have, I've also got an, an array of different breweries and different beer types. I'm starting off with the one that you had last week, Oscar, actually, uh, the Beavertown Nanobot Super Session IPA, uh, just to ease in gently, which I've got to say I was... Inception. Well, I was I was expecting it to be a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit less like an, a low alcohol beer. Um, but I mean, it's yeah, fine. Did I miss sell it a bit last, last week? Yeah, uh, the other ones that I've got are, I've got a Stuart Brewing Company Island Getaway Passion Fruit and Apricot Pale Ale, because you know how I like buying things that I think might taste disgusting, and a <laughs> Winton Brewery Peely Wally Zesty Citrus Fresh IPA, and that one is one in honour of the uh, thesaurus theme that Boaz is very keen on. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> it does, it does. Yeah, that's a good shout. You've both done very well on your beer selections this week. I've done less well. I've got three of a Cornish hopped IPA called A Proper Job. And uh, I thought the proper jobs could be representative of the Italians that have done proper jobs this this season. And I was thinking it could go to Inzaghi, Conte. And then I was struggling a bit with the last one. Kenny wanted Mancini, but um, I think it's going to go to Vinny well, Italian. I felt like just because it was... The last podcast of the year it could comprise the whole year but you you tell me no and you you're the person who made up these rules so uh yeah i mean maybe we could just have one dedicated to us for doing the proper job of the podcast well we'll, we'll despite make, the haters we'll make a decision by the end of this episode <laughs> anyway that's enough of that well i guess we have to give our podcast congratulations to inter for officially becoming winter champions and um, let's start there Absolutely. shall we buzz 
uh, a bit of a late surge from Inter to take the Winter Champions crown. They, they obviously started a bit slowly, capping it off with the 1-0 victory over Torino, uh, most recently following the 5-0 victory over Salonatana. They look like the real deal, don't they? They've really, really come together in the latter part of the first half of the season. Yeah, to think that they were quite a few points behind just a few game weeks ago, it's a quite an impressive rise. And as we keep saying, to top that off, they're also playing some great football along the way. And uh, considering their points they dropped, for example, against Lazio and also in the derby, they could be well clear at this stage of the season. But in any case, uh, having also qualified from the Champions League group for the first time in a decade or so, kudos must go to uh, Inzaghi, who has done an incredible job. And to be fair, like if you pick up a team from Antonio Conte, where he's been running them ragged for uh, a couple of seasons and kind of... Uh, banning ketchup and stuff like that it's it's kind of easy to come in and be the good guy and uh, or rather it's it's a lot easier to be the good guy and kind of say okay guys let's play some good football now i think he's the right man at the right time and uh in addition the much talked about uh, summer purchases who had to replace some big players have all done well uh, to different degrees especially uh of course deco has got the goals and uh, Hakan, uh, to my dismay, has been having a fantastic season so far and has been involved with a lot of goals. But um, in recent games, Dumfries has also started emerging. And I mean, that, that can only be good news. And we, again, kudos to Inter's management for for picking these replacements and uh, and kind of uh, signing them really early in the summer, which, uh, which meant that they were ready tactically at the very least. Yeah, and I think Boaz mentioned there about the... You know, t- taking over from from content, I think undoubtedly Inter have still got a lot of uh, a lot of the magic that that Conte kind of drilled into them uh, there. But I, I mean, I do have to say, I much prefer watching uh, Inter this season to to what I did last season and and the season before under Conte. I think they are you know a really attractive team to watch. I guess they kind of have the best of Simone Inzaghi's Lazio and Antonio Conte's Inter and. Whether that is something that will last long term, as you know, as uh, the Conte era slips further and further into history, who knows? But for now, it is absolutely working to perfection for them, and very, very worthy uh, winter champions, I would say as well. This run that they've put together before Christmas, in particular, is just astonishing. I mean, we can talk about Milan and. Napoli falling away, which they have done quite catastrophically, but Inter have just not stopped winning and winning convincingly as well. Yeah, and we certainly will get to to that conversation about Milan and Atalanta, but I think before we do that, we should give some kudos also to Juve because they've been written off by people on this podcast in the, <laughs> in the recent weeks. They're properly back yeah. into the conversation, aren't they, with back-to-back 2 nils. Um, Kenny, maybe we should come to you on this, considering uh, your comments that they'd be lucky to make the Europa League. And I guess that was yeah, early November. Yeah, they're, they're coming back to bite me, aren't they? Uh, well, I mean, incredibly, at this point, last week, uh, even, Juve were nine points off the, off the Champions League. Uh, but now, obviously, that's cut to just four points. So... I mentioned Milan and uh, Napoli's uh, collapse. Uh, obviously, Atalanta have had one in the last couple of games as well. But, you know, a lot kind of hinges on what happens after Christmas. They've obviously got uh, Napoli up next, and then uh, they've got big games, uh, I think, as well against uh, 
Milan and um, what was the other one as well? On Roma as well. Yeah, I mean, so that I think is going to go a huge way to to determining uh, what the Champions League race actually actually looks like. And of course, let's not forget that Napoli are due to have many players either at the Africa Cup of Nations or still off injured and if you win that then they could be right back in it um and it could actually turn into sort of a three or four horse race for for champions league um it, with regards to these games in particular the the bologna game i actually felt like i i kind of agree with Sinisamihailovic's post-match uh analysis here that bologna were definitely the team that you know were showing more initiative for for large parts of the game um they didn't look like a team that came into this uh, having lost two games on the bounce uh but you've obviously got that very very good uh, early goal um which was a bernardeschi through ball to to morata morata took it very very well uh, but on the whole they were kind of more functional rather than you know spectacular and i think had bologna scored from um the svanberg spectacular overhead effort then it might have been a different story but once Cuadrado got the the second goal all the wind went out of Bologna's sails and it turned into quite a comfortable victory for Juventus Cagliari game completely different story Juve were on the front foot um I, I mean again I guess they, they risked on a couple of occasions a, a one nil up Chesney with a wonder save and will come to Dalbert's effort I'm sure in the uh in the honorables and and dishonorables but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I said this earlier on in the season, there's signs that Juve are finding a formula and things are working, and then I think they went on a disastrous run. Maybe it's the Scudetto <laughs> curse that is just forever destined to uh, to determine yeah. what happens in, in Syria. When you gave them the reverse curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we can't get anything right. Um but the big, big positive, basically, in a disappointing season so far up until last weekend for Juve, I think has to be Bernardeschi. We spoke about his through ball uh, there. He has been chipping in with assists all over the place. He is one of the players who really has kind of come on under Allegri. Uh, and I think over these last two games, two assists, albeit one of them fortuitous, and, and great to see him get his goal as well, which was a very, very well-taken goal. So, I mean, yeah... Uh, there are signs that Juve are picking up. The fact that they're still four points off the Champions League is incredible. And I know they've said that they're not going to be splashing the cash despite this uh, capital injection that they've had in January. But they are a club, I think, where one or two signings could completely transform them. So we'll see. We'll see what after the Christmas break, what, what how things are shaping up. Yeah. And just latching on to what Kenny just said about Bernardeschi, I think his form has been... Uh, Remarkable. In the last six games, he got one goal, as Kenny mentioned, and four assists for Juve. And considering he hadn't scored since July 2020, it's, it really feels like uh, uh, Max Allegri has a new uh, present under his Christmas tree. Yeah, um, we gave Allegri the reverse Scudetto curse, mock- making fun of him for being the, the least victorious Max, didn't we, as well? So that's <laughs> um, continuing the trend of uh, jinxing or counter-jinxing everyone we speak about. And speaking of uh, least victorious Max, actually, um, it was revealed this week that Max Allegri's uh, win uh, percentage in Serie A since he's debuted is uh, much higher than uh, luminaries such as Capello, etc. I think he got to 200 victories uh, in 50 games quicker than most other managers, definitely more than Capello, Ancelotti and others. So obviously it helps that he was managing a Juventus side that were dominating the league, but still uh, credit to him. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the clubs that we 
curse last week, shall we? Starting off <laughs> with Milan. <laughs> Although a strong finish, Baz, uh, the 4-2 away victory over Empoli, um, but obviously a disappointing result with the 1-0 loss um, at home to Napoli at the weekend. How do you... Um, yeah, how do you assess the kind of run and um, are you hopeful? Milan had been on a terrible run for the last uh, seven or eight games. Uh, and I, I think the only matches that they actually managed to win were against teams in the in the relegation zone, uh, Salernitana and uh, Genoa. So uh, it, it, it hasn't been great. And in between that, you had losses to Sassuolo, etc. The match against um, Napoli, I don't think Milan played an amazing match but I thought maybe the, the result was a little bit uh, unfair to Milan particularly as uh, events unfolded in the end which we we, we have to get on to where Frank Kessie scored a goal and Giroud who was lying on the floor and had uh, Juan Jesus lying on top of him was somehow called offside this started mass debates about VAR in Italy etc and to me, this was one of the weirdest offsides I've seen in probably in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that by the letters of the rules, this is an offside. And Drew does make a small move with his foot. But to be honest, like, uh, I mean, I don't think he could have moved out the way. And it was quite funny that uh, for Kessie's first goal against Empoli, Drew once again was lying on the floor. Except this time he was onside. And uh, it was kind of, uh, let's call it uh, retribution or karma. But uh, again, the, the going on to the Napoli game, Milan just... They, they didn't play badly, but they, they lacked uh, cutting edge. They seemed to miss um, their fast players, i.e. Rebic and Leao. And perhaps uh, Salimaker, who started on the bench, could have maybe made a difference. And in fact, he was probably man of the match in the Empoli game. Milan really need his unpredictability and the fact that I'm, I'm not sure he himself knows what he's going to pull next. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't even know that I would agree with you that to the the letter of the law it was offside. The letter of the law doesn't say that if you're standing in an offside, you have to become like uh, musical statues or something like that and just freeze. I mean, he moves his foot, but it's not in the direction of the the ball. It's not to challenge the ball. He doesn't. I I don't care what uh, Jesus said after the game about him being impeded. I mean, um, I said this on Twitter to um, our good friend at Milan Obsession. Uh, the I mean, he impeded Jesus. Giroud impeded Jesus in the same way that a mattress impedes me from hitting the snooze button on on my alarm clock. I mean, he was lying on top of him, and you're not telling me that had Jesus been lying on the ground, he would have being able to clear that ball or that anything that Giroud did had any effect on his ability to to clear it. Um, he's not mm. interfering with the sideline of Ospina. It's it's not offside. For me, I look at the, the letters of the law and the only argument that you can say is that he interfered with the defender. I mean, he didn't interfere with the defender. The defender was lying on top of him and yeah. he was as stationary as he possibly could have been, really. He didn't do anything. He didn't challenge for the ball. He didn't hold the, the defender back or anything. I mean, for me, it's a, a crazy decision and also made worse because it was a reversal of the on-field decision. So, you know, just I was kind of find it unfathomable. And I know a few people have kind of contested this on uh, on social media, um, but I mean, I like to think that we're in good company when uh, Gabriele Marcotti, uh, Michael Cox, and the Gazzetta dello Sport are kind of reading off the same hymn sheet as you are. So um, they seem to think that it was a terrible decision. Um, so happy to be in their camp on this one. 
Yeah, I agree with you that it was a terrible decision, but I have to argue with your analogy there because I find a good mattress definitely impedes me when I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get up and uh, turn off the alarm. Maybe Giroud was just too comfortable. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, very possibly. All right, how about Atalanta then? Uh, they're certainly not looking too comfortable in that fourth spot anymore, are they, Kenny? Must yeah. be over your shoulders after that draw with Genoa following the, the big loss to uh, Jose Mourinho's Roma at the weekend. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty pretty horrible uh, week for, for Atalanta, really, hasn't it? Um, I mean, the, the Roma game, obviously, uh, Roma were fast at the blocks the first half an hour. Roma definitely were the were the better side, but I feel like after that, Atalanta came back into it. They got that goal just before halftime. Uh, and they looked like they were going to go on and equalize. And then we've just spoken about VAR controversy. I actually feel like Atalanta's goal, Zapata's goal, was correctly ruled uh, offside because I think in a different situation to the, the Giroud and Jesus one, I feel like he was very obviously, you know, he the defender was, had like kept looking over his shoulder to see where he was. He, he definitely affected affected the play. But yeah, disappointing result there. And then Genoa, the Genoa game, I mean, Atalanta just never really looked like they were going to score, just like completely lacking cutting cutting edge. And I think uh, Christmas couldn't really have come soon enough, the Christmas break for, for Atalanta. So uh, a good time for, you know, a bit of a regrouping there. Um, I have to say, though, if you had offered Atalanta this uh Four-point advantage over Juventus at the start of the season, at the halfway point. I think they would have absolutely, Gasparini would have absolutely bitten your hand off for it. So, you know, it's yeah. all uh, it's all about context, I guess. He's done well to uh, manage expectations throughout the, the entirety of the Yeah, run, yeah. He? I mean, he's been saying until we're first, I'm not going to speak about our, uh, you know, potential as title challengers. Yeah. You did get a bit carried away a couple of weeks ago, though, didn't you? And, and start talking about a title race, but yeah, I mean, not not just myself. <laughs> it's something that's been uh, again another Italian uh, radio show that I, I reference quite often that I listen to. Uh, very reputable journalists on that saying, I think even before the Genoa game, they were saying I still have Atalanta as my favorite, you know, contenders to to Inter. So not alone again on that one. Yeah. Fair enough. And we're still only halfway. This is a long way to go. Yeah, I think the the league's out of the question, though. Would it be fair to say that um, Atalanta don't crumble because of uh, technical reasons? I.e. Their, their gameplay and their players are fantastic, but they crumble when the weight of expectation is on their shoulders, i.e. the Villarreal game, for example. And when suddenly like radio personalities in Italy are talking about them as favorites for the title race suddenly they drop points again that they should win yeah. or were expected to win perhaps yeah i mean i i guess there's some something in that what i would say i i wouldn't necessarily say that when the expectations are high what i think tends with there's this pattern that happens with atalanta in big games where they concede crazy early goals they just start way too open and there's the counter argument that if Atalanta weren't like that then we wouldn't enjoy them as much because they wouldn't be as you know free-flowing and and attacking and I, I accept that as well but I think in these big games there is a lot to be said for keep it tight in the opening sort of five and ten minute five ten minutes and then perhaps start you know expressing yourselves a bit more 
So yeah, I think that that was the case against uh, against Roma very much. That they just, um, I mean, that the goals were very avoidable from a defensive point of view. They were like, def- I mean, I, I think on the the I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back now. It was the first goal or the second goal? Um, it was basically one defender, one centre back, uh, back, and then uh, yeah, it was the Zaniolo one, I think, and Zaniolo, you know, had a fairly easy task to kind of waltz into the the area and from point blank range score. So I think there's a lot to be said about their mentality perhaps in these big match matches against the big teams that they just don't switch on early enough. But but yeah, I mean again, in context, these are absolute glory days for Atalanta, so let's not get greedy. Uh Fair point. Um, and th- just before we move on, well, actually, a couple of things before we move on. But firstly, um, in the spirit of kind of giving kudos to teams that have had a good first half of the season, I think we should talk about Fiorentina. Um, Fiorentina have overperformed at, at least in recent weeks. I decided to check them out this week, having been been bored of watching Roma, and maybe switch, <laughs> pick the wrong week to switch because uh, pretty pretty disappointing result and performance against Verona. Um, but Kenny, you watched the, some of the Sassuolo game before that, a 2-2 draw where, where they were a bit better. What what have you yeah. kind of made of Fiorentina in, in recent weeks? Well, I mean, I, I do agree with you that that um, Verona game was uh, disappointing. They struggled to create. I mean, we spoke about conceding early. Obviously, Verona got the... Got their noses in front relatively early in that game, and yeah, it was a lovely finish. Yeah, absolutely. Swept away by Kevin Lasagna, your man, Kevin Italian Lasagna. Striker. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree with. I mean, we were saying before um, we recorded, uh, you and I were discussing it, and you were saying that they're going to struggle if Vlaovic does leave because they're based on this game. It was seemed to be like try and get the ball forward to Vlaovic and get him to hold it up and hopefully something will happen. It did seem like they were mm. kind of short of ideas and Vlaovic did seem kind of isolated. Having said that, Casale, Tamese and uh, Shutalo, I thought were excellent in the back three for Verona. Uh, I thought they did uh, a really good job of making it difficult for Fiorentina. But the Sassuolo game, I think, was just generally an entertaining game. And I think... I spoke about context with Atalanta. I think context is everything for Fiorentina as well. Uh, those were, on paper, two tough games. Uh, so Verona and Sassuolo. Um, there are two games where they were behind at halftime and they managed to get something out of them. The Sassuolo one, they were actually two goals down. And and that Sassuolo game, I think, was actually a harsh result. You look at the stats. I mean, uh, I think Fiorentina had twice as many shots on target as Sassuolo had. Info goal had their the XG down as three point one to to one uh, or something, so uh, a mm-hmm. bit of a generous result for for Sassuolo. And then Verona away three days after coming back from two nil down. So you know you've got to look at Fiorentina yeah. and see. I think at this point last season they had twenty three points, uh, and this year they've got thirty two. So it's definitely been a very positive, uh, very positive story for Fiorentina so far this season. Even though a couple of times they've kind of gone off the boil when we were expecting them to kind of kick on and really push, but they're they are still within touching distance of Champions League as well. So let's see what Comiso does in the January transfer window. Who knows um, if they do end yeah. up selling Vlaovic? You'd imagine they'd have a lot of money to reinvest, but the question is uh, whether that reinvestment makes them, you know improves them as a team or whether the, the loss of Vlaovic would just be too too great. 
They've already made one iconic signing. Yeah, preempting a, an honourable there, Bars. But um, yeah, Lil Strike Ikone comes in, potentially a, a replacement. Or He was born in 1998, so as Bars pointed out, that makes him not that young anymore. <laughs> but we'll have to see what his level is like. All right, the just last point then, we should just mention the Salonitana shit show. Uh, <laughs> firstly, they've had a game called off. <laughs> Uh, because of COVID, obviously that's not so much their fault, but the news that there's a very good chance they might get kicked out of the league due to their ownership issues, which we've discussed before. Obviously, you can't, under league rules, own two teams in the same league, and uh, Latito, <coughs> owner of both uh, San Latana and Lazio, has not managed to find a buyer for San Latana, so looks yeah. like they might be kicked out directly into Serie C, right, Bars? It's not quite clear what's going to happen, but... Um... Because because Lotito could still sell hypothetically, um, he's kind of uh, waiting for a bigger offer to be made. But people know exactly what he paid for the club, exactly how much he made for it. So it's very hard for him to make any sort of profit from this deal. And um, the rumors are that he might even be willing to send the club down back to Sayachi and not sell the club, which uh, would be quite tragic for the fans. Yeah, and make a bit of a mockery of Serie A. And of course, the, the knock-on implications of that would be that we were talking about Vlaovic having, uh, I think in the end, he equaled the, the record of uh, goals in a calendar year. Um, but obviously, the, the the game against Salernitana would be wiped if they did get um, moved back down to, to Serie C, and uh, he would lose that record as well. So... I, we've had a look at the results, and it seems like the only place where this would actually have much of an effect would be towards the bottom of the table, because I think Salernitana have won two games uh, this season. So, um, or yeah, th- th- there really aren't that many games they've picked up points in. So, uh, but undoubtedly, it's just another messy, a very messy, very Italian situation. I don't understand how <laughs> the league let it get to this situation. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is something that was kind of predicted uh, back in uh, in August or whenever yeah, it was. We talked about it in the first so, yeah, episode. Yeah, rubber stamped we? it. In, we we talked about it in the previous yeah. episode for the season. Yeah, it's it's such a very Italian kind of situation, really, that they've managed to let it get this far down the road. But yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out over Christmas, and we'll know by the next time we're uh, doing a podcast, won't we? Yep, we should say that the 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 league has moved very rapidly to avoid this kind of scenario in the future. And moving on, no club will be allowed to be owned. No two clubs will be allowed to be owned by the same person. And anyone who does currently own two clubs need to set, needs to sell up by 2024. Um, right now, De Laurentiis is the main culprit, owning both Napoli and Bari. All right. Let's do a quick roundup of what's been going on elsewhere, and then we'll do good week, bad week. So starting with best of the rest in Serie C, Catania went bankrupt. The former club of Papu Gomez, Maxi Lopez, also been coached by people like Sinisa Mihailovic, Diego Simeone. Just eight years ago, they finished eighth in Serie A, so very sorry to see them go. Yeah, and just um, two less than two weeks ago, they won the Sicilian Derby as well. So from a big high to a, a very, very big low. So yeah, big yeah, shame. That one chalked off the books, presumably. I recently managed them on uh, Football Manager, so for me, it, it breaks my heart. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, probably less relevant that bars to our listeners. <laughs> so um, people are following my journey. Uh, we should. Talk about the Nations League draw. Um, so Italy, Germany, Hungary, and England. 
in the same group. Yeah. Rematch. A rematch, as you said earlier, for people hungry for uh, <laughs> for a rematch. Uh, and finally, we should mention that Serie B has been cancelled for two weeks due to the COVID situation. Um, so hopefully that sort of circuit breaker makes a difference and we get some uh, full-strength squads back in the new year. It's uh, obviously good news to know that the league is thinking about players and, and people's health, but at the same time, uh, this whole... Uh, Boxing Day style fixture for the Serie B was designed to kind of uh, get more TV viewing and uh, get more people in the stadium. And obviously, Serie B clubs need the money more than anyone in this period. So, not good news from a health perspective, but sad from a league perspective. Indeed. All right, let's uh, take nominations for good week, shall we? Um, obviously, Inter have to be the first nomination. Winter champions. Uh, who else do we want to nominate, Kenny? Uh, I mean, t- to me, when we were f- first kind of discussing this, I Inter were the first obvious name that kind of sprung to mind. But thinking about it, I mean, Inter have uh, kind of gained three points on on their rivals. They've uh, we've awarded them good week uh, a couple of times this season and uh, very recently as well. Um, but when you look at what's happened to the teams around uh, Juve uh, as well, uh, I would say that. You know, going from no hopers for the Champions League to just four points off it and with a chance of closing to within two points if they beat Napoli, because I think Napoli are only a point ahead of Atalanta. Uh, I I think you have to say that things have completely turned around for Juventus in the space of a week. I know Lazio won two games, 3-1 as well, but I mean, uh, let's not get carried away. We know what the opposition was like. Uh, Juve for me. Juve, not just a nomination, but for me, that's my uh, my vote. Yeah, Baz, who are you voting for? Uh, through both those teams are problematic for me, but uh, through gritted teeth, I'd probably back uh, Kenny for Juve. Um, a few weeks ago, it would have been unheard of to think that they were so close to the top four spots, and yet they've kind of grinded out results, not always playing good football or, or aesthetically pleasing football, but still a win's a win, and... Uh, with the exception of the, um, the Venezia game, they've actually also be- managed to keep a lot of clean sheets, which is a, kind of an Allegri trademark. So, so, some positives there. Yeah, Max is victorious in the end then. Good week for Juve. Um, what about bad week? Um, it's difficult in a way to look past Salonatana given the kind of news that's come out. But obviously, as you said, Kenny, the situation has been ongoing for some time. Yeah, and it could turn around for Salernitana. I mean, I don't think their league fortunes are going to turn around. So if it's a question between City of, City of B or City of Chi, then, uh, I, I mean, obviously you, you'd prefer to be in City of B. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, it, it could still be rescued. Who knows what will happen um, at probably about three minutes to, to midnight uh, trying to get the paperwork faxed across to the uh, the authorities, <laughs> the powers that be. It's like a transfer deadline. Of course, it would be a fax deadline. machine. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I I think Atalanta. I think uh, that Roma result to lose four one at home, uh, and we're going to get onto it in a bit. But there was a bit of a hiccup with the with a shirt that was much publicised before the Roma <laughs> game, oh, which yeah, never point. transpired, which we'll, we'll get onto. Uh, and then drawing to Genoa, who have been awful uh, under Shevchenko so far. 
very disappointing, very disappointing week for Atalanta. For me, a, a bad week Atalanta for me. Are you happy with that nomination, Boaz? To be honest, I would uh, want to throw Cagliari into the mix, currently sitting at 19th in Serie A, but also um, losing 4-0 at home to Udinese and then losing to Juventus, where Mazzari, who famously was uh, blamed the rain for losing a game at Inter once, he said <laughs> that uh, had Chesney not made a particular save, then Cagliari would have gone on to win it. And I mean, Chesney's role is to save goals. This, that's what he's there for. So it, it's kind of a bizarre premise. And uh, I, I mean, I'm sp- I'll be surprised if Matari w- eats the panettone, even though there's only a couple of days go- to go. Yeah, okay. it's not working out for him there, is it? Uh, and uh, also, there's uh, turmoil in the team with uh, Diego Godin and uh, Caceres being uh, thrown out of the team or true. training with the kids. I mean, Atalanta are a great shout because they were expected to win these two games or at least get four points. Um, but Cagliari's recent re- run of results has been tragic. Yeah. yeah, no, that is a fact. You do make a, a compelling case there. I, I still think I'm going to side with Atalanta because, as a Tottenham supporter, I know that it's the hope that yeah, kills you. Yeah, I think. I also think Cagliari have been pretty awful for a while, so it's not unexpected in the same way um, as it yeah. was with, with Atalanta. I had kind of said if they get past these two games, I think it was Verona, wasn't it? And then. Um, Roma, if they get past those two, then we can consider them title contenders. And they got past the first one, and then since then they've just capitulated. So I yeah. am, I, I do totally buy the Cagliari um, nomination, but uh, I'm sticking with Atalanta as well. Yeah, all right. I'm happy to back Atalanta. Let's give it to Atalanta then. Sorry, Gasp, it can go on the shelf next to your uh, Manager of the Month award from a couple of months back. All right, Baz, over to you for keeping up with the Italians. So for the last edition of Keeping Up With The Italians this year, we have um, info from all over the world, a few pointless leagues, a few interesting leagues, <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, for the second time this season, Stefano Sandera was named Coach of the Month over in the Bov Premier League in Malta. Um, I think he was the first one to win this award as well, so legend in Malta. Uh, our friend Jorginho scored yet another penalty to piss off Italian fans everywhere against Brentford. <laughs> Um, and Andrea Compagno t- took less than five minutes to get on the score sheet for Football Club Universita 1948 in the Romanian league. Elsewhere, Paolo Vanoli was named as coach for Spartak Moscow, so good luck to him. In Turkey, Vincenzo Montella's team uh, won thanks to a winning header from uh, Mario Balotelli, that is Adana Demispor, and Stefano Kaka scored a lovely overhead kick for Besak and he's now he's still top goal scorer in Turkey. So I believe they're top goal scorer in Turkey, Austria, Switzerland, and uh, another league is and it, Italy probably. Let's not go there. Is uh, Italian uh, over in the Bundesliga? Vincenzo Grifo scored a cocky little chip from uh, at the penalty spot to get uh, Freiburg the three points in a two-one win. In over in the A League, Francesco Margiotta scored uh, the opening goal in the Melbourne uh, derby. And lastly, uh, after just uh, three matches played in the Madagascar Championship, Fossa Juniors FC, who are managed by Toto Nobile, lead with four points. Lovely. Thanks for that, Boaz. Uh, wonderful tour around the continent, as always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have around to admit, I did just nip around the globe. Yeah, I have to admit, I did just nip to the fridge to grab the second proper job in the middle of that segment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll enjoy yeah. listening back to it when the episode's released. Uh, let's go to the honourable and dishonourable mentions. 
And Kenny, you're starting us off with one for Pedro. Yeah, I've got, I've got quite a few dishonorables this week. I'm obviously feeling very festive. Um, the first one, yes, yeah, for for Pedro, uh, for uh, basically the the celebration that followed followed Luis Alberto's uh, goal against Venezia, where uh, Luis Alberto cli- climbed up onto the advertising boards and then jumped down. And when he was on his way down, for some unknown reason, Pedro decided to basically do a mid-air suplex on him and. Uh, I think Luis Alberto landed in his coccyx and uh, looked like he was in quite a lot of pain. So, uh, well, I think he was trying to like, boost him, wasn't he? It was just I, so hard. Yeah, I don't know what time. he was doing. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's uh, internal rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, let's balance it out with an honorable buzz. This is an honorable for Maria Sole Ferri Caputi, who refereed the Cagliari Cittadella game in the Coppa Italia, thus becoming the first woman to uh, manage the Serie A side and uh, her quotes after the game were honorable too because she said that once it becomes less of a big deal that she's a female referee but rather that she's just when she's considered just any other referee that's when she will have really made it so kudos to her for that mentality and also for climbing up the ladder yeah thanks for bringing that one to our attention bars and just to switch gear completely I think we've all got a nomination for the Maratta challenge this week I want to start off by nominating uh, Verona's Simeone, who should have won the game in the dying moments, uh, was smothered out by the goalkeeper. I think he was just surprised that the deflection came back to him. But the nomination is actually for his miss earlier in the game, where he somehow managed to hit the crossbar from about two yards out. Uh, and would have, I think it was 1-0 Verona at the time, so really potentially would have killed the game off. Although having seen the other mentions, I'm uh, no longer confident that he's going to get the award, Kenny. Yours was uh, <laughs> for Dalbert. It, it was pretty special. And uh, this touches on a couple of points that we mentioned uh, earlier on in the, the podcast. Uh, Boaz spoke about uh, Walter Mazzari's uh, complaints about the, the save from Shen- Chesney. I guess he was possibly trying to deflect from Dalbert, who... Uh, yeah, just an absolutely woeful, woeful miss. The ball was put on a plate for him. And for some reason, I think he tried to, it came across from the right wing and it was one of those ones, I mean, any, just get your left foot on it. Any, any contact you get and it's going in, uh, decides to try and, uh, hit it, hit it with his right, uh, completely miscues it from about five yards out. Just Chesney to be, and if, if memory serves, Chesney was pretty much on the ground anyway. So uh, a bad, a bad, bad miss. Yeah, but it's a clear, clear front runner. But Baz, you did have one more nomination from this week, didn't you? I'm also inclined to um, lean towards the Dalbert miss, but I, I do have to mention uh, Romagnoli, the Milan centre back, who in the, there was a little bit of a scramble in the Empoli area, and the ball fell to Romagnoli, who admittedly he was. Slightly to the side of the goal. He wasn't directly in front of the goal, but still, there was a whole goal to aim for, and he somehow managed to hit it really high and towards the throw in. So, um, kudos to him. Perhaps he was confused because uh, Impoli also had a centre back called Romagnoli on the pitch. Yeah, uh, as I said, no awards uh, this evening, but we'll keep an eye of all those for the, the end of the season. And I just wanted to give an honourable to Christian Eriksen, who has, since we last recorded, agreed to, by mutual consent, cancel his contract with Inter. Um, obviously a great, great contribution last season to their title winning run after not being able to get into the team at the start. Sort of real um, tribute to his perseverance. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sad to see him go, but um, 
good news to to come out of the statement that he will be uh, continuing to be involved in football in, in some capacity. Uh, so look forward to, to seeing what the future holds for him. Over to you, Baz, for I think another honourable, a records honourable, I believe. This is an honourable for Giacomo Rossi, who is the goalkeeper for ACD Geo Termica, a Tuscan uh, Prima Categoria team, whom he managed to keep a clean sheet for 990 minutes, that's 11 games, thus beating Gianluigi Buffon's record of 973 minutes. And Buffon himself uh, was quick to congratulate him on social media, saying records are there to be broken, regardless of what uh, league you play in. 11 games without conceding is an incredible milestone. Applause to you. So uh, great to be recognized from the legends, even when you're playing in the lower league. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's nice. Thanks, Buzz. And now, Kenny, the one we've all been waiting for, it's the goals honorable. Oh, the goals honorable. Yeah, this has created quite some debate with... Uh, I had settled on... Some debate uh, with yourself, I might add. This this was a debate with Boas because he wasn't having any of the Molina, uh, Udinese third goal to Cagliari because there was a bit of a, a scramble in the lead up to it. But yeah, I think Boas, what were you saying? You dislike it when uh, there's like uh, the defending makes it ugly beforehand. But I mean, for me, it was an absolute rocket. A lot of these goals of the year candidates are always like they, they've come up, particularly in the Premier League. I should add, they come out. The last ball comes off of like a defender heading it off, and particularly Steven Gerrard was was very good at these, where like the defender headed it really high and really nicely for him to volley, and then of course the goal is spectacular. But come on. That that ball shouldn't be given to him in the first place. But in this case, I mean, I I do I will concede I will concede that the boy from Udinese had an incredible shot. So um, I'm happy for you to go either way. But I am a fan of uh, squad moves more than uh, individual whoppers. Yeah, and with that in mind, there were a couple of Deulofeo uh, goals in that same game that uh, could have been uh, could have been picked. I'm I'm going with Alexis Sanchez because Boaz wanted a, a goal move and for Inter's third against Salernitana, which might soon cease to exist in the history books if uh, Salernitana's uh, <laughs> games are all scrapped. Uh, but just a lovely, lovely sweeping move. And uh, I think finished off with a, a brilliant first-time through ball for Celanoglu and Sanchez with uh, just a pinpoint accurate finish across the keeper. Um, but yeah. For a team, for a wonderful team move to please Boaz, um, I'm going with Alexis Sanchez for the goals honourable. The way Salernitana are defending, it feels like they've stopped playing many months ago. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, uh, Boaz. You've got uh, dishonourable for Costas Manolas. When Costas Manolas was uh, signed from Roma to Napoli, there was uh, a lot of uh, people, myself included, thinking that with uh, Koulibaly, this would be the centre-back pairing that would really make Napoli jump to the next level. Instead, Manolas has spent much of his time at Napoli either out injured or just not playing great. And um, he's been particularly disappointing in these past few months where he's been injured, he's had the flu, he's had a lot of uh, niggles, let's say. He did play against um, Leicester. That was actually his last game for Napoli, coming off the bench. But then, inexplicably, he, he was off in Greece being presented for his new club while uh, Napoli had a big game on the horizon against Milan. Additionally, the Guardia di Finanza, the Guardia di Finanza stopped him uh, on the flight with uh, allegedly over a, f- a few million euros in uh, in cash, money, in suitcases. So um, overall, not a great look for Costas and uh, gangster. And uh, also, I mean, again, why did, why couldn't he wait to go to Greece on the second of January when the trans- when the market opens and he can be a hero then and kind of treat Napoli the right way? A worthy dishonorable indeed. Um, 
And I just wanted to give an honourable to the few Salernitana fans who travelled 880 kilometres to Udine to not see a match. Um, almost as bad as the American fans that travelled all the way from, uh, I think it was Texas to Burnley to not see Spurs. Um, I'm not sure if any of any of them will be uh, rewarded as richly in the in the Italian press as that couple. But honourable mention from us, all the same. Um, Kenny, another dishonourable for thieves. This is usually Boas's territory. This is Boas's territory, and I'm muscling in on it um, because Boas likes to give dishonourables for petty criminals. Um, so this one is for. Uh, Thieves in general, I mean, because uh, there have been quite a few break-ins in uh, city, uh, you know, city app players' houses. I think um, was it. Uh, I think it was Muriel had his house broken into when Atalanta were playing the Champions League uh, game. Uh, but this Ribery. one in particular was uh, yeah, there was Ribery as well. Um, but Sensi basically had his house broken into during the Inter Torino game and had. Uh, I think uh, 200,000 euros worth of jewels and watches stolen. So, yeah, there you go. Dishonorable for thieves. Naughty, naughty. That's <laughs> 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 not funny, really, but um, definite, definitely deserved dishonorable. Yeah, I mean, why, do, why does he have 200,000 euros worth of uh, jewels lying around his house anyway? Has he not heard of banks and safety deposit boxes? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't want to Let's blame, not blame him. Let's not blame the victim. Or give, I, I didn't want to give him a dishonorable, but it's certainly a, a strange situation. He's a Euro winner. He can do what he wants. Uh, is, uh, is this a double dishonorable for Marquisa and Nicolau? Yeah, this is, uh, I guess, a dishonorable to both Marquisa and Nicolau in the Spezia Empoli game that finished 1-1. Marquisa scored an own goal in the 50th minute, having moved from Spezia to Empoli in the summer. And Nicolau scored an own goal in the 72, 72nd minute, having moved from Empoli to Spezia. So, in a way, they both scored for their own team, just the wrong season. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, another worthy dishonorable and... Um, just one more from me, and then uh, Kenny, you can have one more as well. Uh, I wanted to give an honourable to Jose Mourinho for a change. Obviously, I've given him many dishonourables this season, but uh, these comments to the press uh, after the victory over Atalanta, he, he had been taking a lot of flack from journalists in, in recent weeks about it being, was it two years since they'd beaten? Yeah, a long time since they'd beaten one of I the, think it was around in, two in Mourinho's years. words, top five. Yeah, since they've been one of the other top five. And Mourinho came came into the press conference and proclaimed that it had been 20 minutes since the last time they <laughs> beat someone from the top five, which, I mean, fair play to him. He, he knows how to be a shithouse in a press conference. It's one of his, uh, <laughs> one of his few remaining skills, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, yeah. an honourable for him. Um, and then, Kenny, over to you for... Explain the Atalanta Christmas shirt. Ah, well, well, I mean, yeah, a lot of our listeners will will already know about this. But Atalanta every year they bring out a a Christmas special shirt, uh, which they wear in the last uh, the last game before before Christmas, last home game before Christmas. Uh, And Joma released this image of the Atalanta shirt, which I have to say, I think the initial response on social media was quite positive. Uh, It was quite an attractive shirt. Uh, until fans, you know, live in Bergamo, started pointing out that they didn't recognize the the skyline and 
essentially that's not Bergamo, Joma. Uh, and uh, the the best thing about this was that they kind of doubled down on it. And I think their statement was, we have taken buildings from Bergamo, the skyline from a very particular angle, and then added in artistic uh, interpretation. I mean, the artistic <laughs> interpretation is that they took the Turin skyline and put it in Bergamo uh, because what another Atalanta fan actually found the clip art that Joma had used and basically just mirror-imaged an image that was called Turin skyline um, and put it on a football shirt and tried to sell it as a Atalanta special. Anyway, all culminating with the fact that Atalanta decided before the game because of the outrage of the of the Atalanta fans uh, not to not to wear the shirt. Uh, and of course, last time Atalanta wore a Christmas shirt against Roma, they won four one. This time they lost four one. So bad omens. Uh, but yes, uh, dishonorable for Roma. I mean, if you make a cock up like that, at least have the decency to own up. And leave it to me to be the Scrooge of the podcast, but it's hardly like either the Turin or the Bergamo skyline are iconic. So, I mean, Oof. it's not like I don't understand why this skyline is so important to the shirt. They should have just gone with something a little bit more Christmassy. But that's just my uh, two euros or two euro cents. That is no way to speak about a UNESCO World Heritage Site, Boaz. <laughs> point taken. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, richly... Uh deserved and appropriate dishonorable and uh, not even a happy christmas ending for atalanta so sorry to leave you on that note folks but uh merry christmas from all of us here at scudetto um if you don't already please subscribe to our podcast on spotify or apple Podcasts, wherever you get your audio you can find us tweeting at scudetto pod um that's it have a good holiday and we'll be back in the new year ciao Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.